0: Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta People.
1: We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia.
0: The podcast that reads the fine print before signing your liver.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing.
0: We are back after a little break with another one of Kelly's deep dive episodes. Um, even that first line like got me so excited <laughs> that I didn't read anything else. I'm like, I don't want to know anything. I, want, I mean, I want to know everything, but um, only now
1: that you're free to tell me yeah so it's a good one I um I'm not even sure how I came about it I reckon it might have been a listener who um suggested it to me and then I started to read the story and I was like oh god like (laughs) I have to I have to do this so we've mm. it's an operating theater one. So we've both worked in the operating theaters. Um mm. I've done Scrub Scout and worked with surgeons, and I've watched heaps and heaps of laparoscopic procedures which involved internal cauterization. Um but like I've never witnessed what happened in this case. And I think like when patients go into theater for any procedure. No matter how minor, it's pretty scary and overwhelming. Like the anaesthetist, the surgery, like being vulnerable to a room full of complete strangers. Um yeah. You know, like it's.
0: Can I just it, say in a side note, Nick has to get um, a top and tail, like gas, uh, gas, um, and the colonoscopy, and he called it a spit roast. <laughs> of course, he did. <laughs> Like so, I got guess I got a bully in this bit,
1: bro. Fucking laugh, never. Heard of all the years of like nursing on this. Well, rest. I guess I don't do it at first. when I when I had a um, gastro and colonoscopy. I the last thing I said before I went under was make sure you do the top end first. <laughs> <laughs> you <a> fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, um, but I guess what I'm getting at is that we the trust that you have in your team. Uh, especially the surgeon, is, like, the biggest thing in the world. And I mm-hmm. think that's what makes this story, um, like, really disgusting and, uh, like, a blatant example of, like, a patient abuse. And yeah, um, when I...
0: Abusing the trust and privilege. Yeah. I know, I know roughly, like, I know roughly what happens, but I literally know none of yeah. the details. But
1: so, it's not um, even it's what happens. It's the extra parts of this story that make it, like, fun because honestly mm. it's like storylines from like a 90s long-running daytime drama like oh, days of God. our lives with the doctors you know like Joey on um friends how he was the doctor like it's these yeah. kind like honestly the the stories Don't that go with it room
0: already. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, anyway sorry. it's
1: yeah I, and I have the more I I read a lot of articles obviously and then I read one article at the very last article that I read which it changed my opinion a little bit so we'll get to that at okay. the end though
0: yeah hmm, right I'm curious
1: so this is a story of Simon Bramhall um his current LinkedIn status says that he about me this is his LinkedIn about me and this is word for word experienced consultant with a demonstrated history of working in the hospital and healthcare industry, skilled in clinical research, medical education, medicine, laparoscopic surgery, and clinical trials, strong healthcare services professional with an MBCHB, which is a Bachelor of Medicine and a Bachelor of Surgery, focused in medicine from the University of Birmingham. He was last active on there four months ago, and it says... Um, that he's open to non-clinical opportunities from March 2023 to present. He's listed as being a medical doctor with the NHS from 1988 to uh, 2020. So that's 32 years. A consultant Mm -hmm. liver transplant and a hepatopancreas hepatopancreatobiliary surgeon from 2002 mm-hmm. to 2014 at the University Hospital of Birmingham a consultant general and upper gi surgeon from 2014 to 2020 at Y Valley NHS Trust and an author of fiction novels from 2020 uh, sorry from 2018 to current the timeline Is of all well, that no he didn't go to prison so oh,
0: I was going to say, you know, people, when they go to prison, they yeah. don't write books. His, um, <laughs> the website for his
1: books is called Scalpel Stories. Now, I'm not just telling you this for, like, shits and oh. gigs. This is actually something we'll come back to later, and it's like.
0: Oh,
1: he also okay. lectured um as well in from 1995 to 2002. But the fact that he's still current on LinkedIn, and he's like, yeah, mate, I'll help you out, but I can't do anything clinical. <laughs> <laughs> Read for red flag yeah <laughs> who is Simon Brammel well I can't tell you <laughs> like there's no information on his backstory his childhood there's no Wikipedia page um
0: nothing in the about the author section of his no life.
1: I went in there it looked it said that he was <laughs> this is literally what it says um that he like lives with his wife um and has two grown sons say lives with his mom? and yeah <laughs> has two <laughs> grown sons a golden doodle Called Doug. Golden, he oh, doesn't dog. have a golden doodle. Sorry, he has a dog that's a golden doodle. This <laughs> is a golden he doodle. His doodle, Doug.
0: Well, he didn't go to prison, folks.
1: Oh, I'm going to wet my pants. Uh, I just wrote that. I didn't even read it out. It's not until you read words out loud that you're like, I was like, oh, yeah, he's just got a golden doodle.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Oh, jeez. And he's yeah. So he lives in Cornwall. He's uh fifty eight, nearly fifty eight years old. Um, he, yeah. All the articles gave no background on his, no history on his background. There's no Wikipedia page on him. Um, and his own website, which is linked, no longer works. Um. Hmm. So yeah, he's a okay. surgeon, an author, and a lover of rugby. Bramble's a very accomplished liver transplant surgeon. Um he's been in the media before for really positive reasons okay. um he's a sociopath no so before this before the incident, which I'll get to in a minute, he was a like a renowned liver transplant surgeon in the u k like he's he had mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that the hospitals just said he had good standing he actually had good standing like yeah. He did good things. So in 2010, he performed a liver transplant on a patient who, according to him, certainly would have died without the transplant. Well, not according to him. In general, the patient would have died. Yeah. Um, the patient was the sickest on the transplant list in the UK, which means that these patients have uh, typically only days to live. To, and I read somewhere else that to be at the top of the transplant list, you have to have a 72-hour window of life left. Fuck. Um who had been quoted to say it's crucially important that a donor liver was used and that has functioned successfully prior. A liver became available to this patient and was put on a Cessna from Belfast. However, the conditions at Birmingham Birmingham Airport were foggy and the plane with the donor liver crashed. What? At the airport on landing. It burst into flame Um. And thankfully the liver was so well packed in the insulated box, box with ice, it was rescued and sent to the hospital. Both pilots were okay. One was trapped and suffered serious um, non-life-threatening injuries and the other was able to free themselves and assisted a, uh, um, like an airport fire person to get back into the air par- aircraft to cut off the fuel supply and allow the medical and ref- rescue staff to enter to, like, free the trapped pilot and it- retrieve oh, the liver, the donor liver. <laughs> Jesus, Go off to a good start. Um, the liver went to the hospital via police motorbike escort um, and at the hospital the transplant team were shocked to discover that the donor liver was not damaged at all and it was still able to be used for transplant. The operation took four hours, uh, and it was the sixth liver transplanted in the hospital in the like in that five day period. Wow. The donor patient who received the liver was it reported to have recovered well, um, and everything went as it was supposed to. Imagine that like you're literally on the brink of death, your plane with the liver coming from Northern Ireland crashes they're like we'll take it to the hospital see how it goes and like the the footage of the not the footage but the pictures of the plane was like, it was pretty like a Cessna's not a big little not a big craft like it right It crashed and That's
0: yeah insane. caught
1: fire yeah. yeah crazy
0: and like and you know if anyone else is like i don't i don't know i feel like your priorities in that moment would not be let's save this liver
1: no, it would be like, save the living people,
0: but the, they saved them yeah, all. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, to, like to then go back and and you know to get it.
1: Yeah, what a great amazing. like story that is. Um, so he's, he's a good, medicine. yeah, he's a good cheated surgeon. Oh my god, have like amazing. Hey, like, and that liver cheated yeah. death twice. Um, you'd be happy to yeah, have exactly. it, I reckon. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. He did over 300 transplant surgeries in his career um, and at no point rang any alarm bells. Um, so what did he do? Why did he get struck off the medical register? And what mm-hmm. does his books have to do with this?
0: Here we, I, I can already, I really hope
1: that I'm like <laughs> right in what I'm
0: thinking. In
1: 2013, Bramhall had finished another liver transplant operation, but instead of closing up the patient, he decided to do something So disturbing. He used the electric corduroy beam, which um, they used to like trim off, you know, the internal fat to stop any bleeding um, on the liver. Um, And he burnt the letters S and B onto the brand new liver that was transplanted into this patient. Um, Unfortunately for the patient, her new liver began to fail a week later and another surgeon went back in to f- do a follow up surgery and discovered the initials on the liver mm, um you imagine i know in 2013 because
0: especially if you've seen like the way that cautery works like and if you've seen the way that diathermy works in theatre like on tissue like it it actually well, like it turns is a little white and like scars yeah.
1: it it's a little different to external cautery like external diathermy um, and, and the article that I read that said changed my mind, which, um, we discuss later actually says that it only the electric cautery only burns to a depth of about two millimetres. They yes. often use it on the external capsule of the liver, which is about two to three millimetres thick. It doesn't actually touch the liver tissue. And right. when they're doing things, they will often use the electric cautery to mark positions within the body and those marks will generally fade and heal over time. So it's not like a diathermy on the external that will literally burn. Yeah,
0: right. No,
1: it's not as um it's not as
0: it's not uh, like not like when they use the hook in um, removing a gallbladder. Yeah like like burn all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah like and fully like burning like white um it's almost I don't even know. It's like when you cook a chicken. Mate, I love the smell of the burning flesh. In the fry pan. No, you're fucked. Yeah, it's like when you cook chicken in the fry pan. And hands shrimps really up hot, and you put your chicken on. Oh yeah, it goes from pink it's... to white like almost instantly. Immediately, that's almost like yeah. it sears it. But well, that I suppose it's that's. Me. Yeah, but still, like, and I can't imagine him carving his initials into this liver has been was the reason that it was that it failed. No, no, like, no. So what happened? So tell me now. Okay, so this other surgeon operates on this so, person, and he yeah. sees the initials.
1: Yeah, so it was reported to the, um, uh, hang on one second. Yeah, so usually the marks that are left behind heal and disappear over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but because the, they had to go back in a week later to to do a follow-up surgery, it was still visible because it hadn't had time to heal. Um, and apparently there is a photo of it and it was about four centimetres in size. So it wasn't just like a little thing. Oh, and also, when you're in an operating theatre, like you're watching the screen, like you have to watch the screen to do it when you're doing laparoscopies.
0: Was he doing this laparoscopically?
1: Yeah, I mean and that's it's impressive. impressive but also is, yeah,
0: <laughs> and and I <laughs> I just seen anyone I can't do anything laparoscopically. Like it's fucking it's hard awkward work. I
1: yeah. know, and I would love to have seen a picture and to just to that see how right
0: the camera too.
1: But how did no one else in the room see it? Like you're always watching the screen, unless. Anyway.
0: But in saying that, they handle they handle the organs before they put them in, so maybe he's like done no, that. No, but he did before. it at
1: the end.
0: That's so yeah. bizarre.
1: Yeah. Um. Ooh, so he was reported to the um. Uh, it was reported in the disciplinary records that were published by the trans tribunal service that he'd actually done it twice in the February and then again in the August. Um. So Didn't he was. That?
0: Did they go and like open all these? No, he What's admitted
1: to it. Oh. After they found the first one. one. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, oh, okay. he was suspended from the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in at the end of twenty thirteen and then he resigned in the following May amid the internal disciplinary um investigation into his misconduct. Because of the two. Or because of the one? Because of both, yep. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, the case was reviewed by the medical practitioners' tribunal service, and they concluded that his actions were born out of a degree of professional arrogance and that they undermined public trust in the medical profession. Um, and during the sentencing trial in 2018, Bramble had been told of the serious psychological harms as a result of the branding to one of the patients. Um, mm-hmm. Bramble told the police that he branded the organs um, as a way of, um, like, being releasing tensions at the end of doing a difficult and a long transplant operation.
0: Don't (laughs) have a wank.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't have a beer. Like, just do anything other than assault your patient.
0: Like, go bang the theatre nurse or something. Like. But I guess, like, I wonder, I wonder, like, you know how people who become celebrities like end up, Mm. most of them end up like fucked up Mm -hmm. and like really depressed and like, you know, they because it's not a normal life, no. And maybe this guy like being so successful and being, you know, so he actually, um,
1: like he actually does touch on that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just Um, curious about like, yeah, do you get well,
1: this is why they have a God complex, isn't it? Because if you transplant over 300 livers, that's 300 very grateful patients at a Mm. second chance of life. At some point, that has to make you feel like you can achieve anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's a bit like old mate Tio, you know, the neuro cowboy. Because he saved a couple of people's lives who thought they could they were gonna die because he operated on patients that were gonna die anyway. Had a couple of hits and like anyway, in twenty seventeen Bramwell pleaded guilty to two counts of assault by beating. Um and he pleaded not guilty to assault occasioning actual bodily harm. Uh the What's guilty
0: by beating. Who did he beat?
1: Well, he beat the liver, didn't he? <laughs> But it's not it like, yeah, I think it's the wording of these charges. Oh, you know, right. it's always yes. like random. Mm-hmm. Um, the guilty pleas represent an acceptance that, uh, that which he did not just ethically wrong, but criminally wrong, Prose- the, mm-hmm. the prosecutor stated. Um, and the prosecutor stated that. They reflect the fact that Dr. Bramhu's initialing on a patient's liver was not an isolated incident but rather a repeated act on two occasions, requiring some skill and concentration. It was done in the presence of colleagues. He mm. acted with disregard for the feeling of the unconscious patient.
0: I was um, to say though, I did have experiences in theatre where I tried to advocate for a patient mm. and I felt like ignored or. Like and I'm the kind of person that will speak up for shit, and it's really frustrating for me um, when other people don't share that like same respect and that same yeah. passion for um for safety and that kind of thing. And I I I would honestly believe that there would be nurses out there that knew about this and that chose to do nothing.
1: But even if you choose to do something, it's sometimes hard. I mean, I had, I had this discussion with um the podcast host from um Hey Hello podcast mm-hmm. um. She interviewed an anaesthetist that I used to work with and they talked about, um, you know, uh,
0: like. that whistleblowing. Yeah, the abuse of nurses
1: in the operating theatre. Mm. And, I, you know, I sent her a story that I, and we worked in, she knew who I was talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't work at the hospital at the same time, but we worked in the same hospital. And I said, you know, this surgeon threw scissors at me mm. mid case and I walked out and mm. um, nothing ever happened because he makes the money for the hospital. Yeah, of so, course, and
0: that's the thing. Like, it's so yeah. hard to speak up. And I, I even, I even put in a report, and then I had the chief medical officer like make a really passive-aggressive comment, like, "Um, oh, now everybody, make sure you do it properly, or um, somebody might put in a VIMS." Like, yeah, and that kind of comment in a theatre, like that, tells me that that, a, my opinion doesn't matter. B, safety doesn't matter. And see, like, don't bother advocating because you're not. Yep. It's not going to change anything. So no, I, I right. do understand, but I also feel like, you know, in this instance, like, okay, yeah. a, a small breach of sterility, like, is probably not going to harm the patient, like, you know, depending on what it is. But then in this instance, like, if I, you know, this is not only just something being done in a hurry or whatever it was, like, this is something that's been consciously. Intentionally, well, like it done. said here,
1: required skill and concentration,
0: exactly. Like, this is, yeah, and this is something that, and it wouldn't have taken 10 seconds for him no. to do this either, yeah. Like, it would have taken him a good minute. At and least. I would, like,
1: I tried to find if there were any reports from the other people in the operating room, like if there was any, um, yeah,
0: uh, interviews or anything, yeah. yeah.
1: And I couldn't actually find anything because I would have been interested to hear if, like, the assistant um when you do laparoscopic surgery always have an assistant with you um
0: yeah holding the fucking camera
1: yeah <laughs> whether they whether How there are was they anything not like there How yeah are they i know not like
0: um yeah like responsible
1: um,
0: yeah. mm, um not, I'm, I'm... <laughs> no that's <all> right
1: <laughs> he uh, was fined yeah. um he was fined 10000 pounds is that I it know. yeah so the judge acknowledged that the physical harm acknowledged that the physical harm the patient suffered was no more than transient or trifling, although he said the emotional and psychological impacts were severe. Uh, one of the victim impact statements said that she was unable to switch off from the ordeal and I, of what she'd been through and she had constant flashbacks. Uh, the judge did scold Bramhall and said what you did was an abuse of power and a betrayal of trust that these patients invested in you. Mm. At the time when he resigned back in uh, 2014 uh, while he was still being investigated, he told the BBC that he'd made a mistake uh, and he said that it had no impact whatsoever. He said what he did had no impact whatsoever on the quality of his clinical outcomes. Um, He said that he was not dismissed and that he made the decision and he handed in his notice. He felt that it was still a bit raw but I have to move on. Um, he had been issued a formal warning from the UK General Medical Council noting that his conduct risks bringing bringing the profession into disrepute and must not be repeated. Um, He had plenty of supporters on his side, to be honest. Um, A former patient said even if he did put the initials on the transplanted liver, is it really that bad? I wouldn't have cared if he'd done it to me. That man saved my life. It seems a bit silly banning him from his work. He's a really good man who can do a really good job.
0: Mm. Um, I guess, but at what point do you question the morals of someone? And and where correct. does the, where does the, the line ethical? Mm, that's yeah. right. Because um, if it's if it's not that, like, then what happens if he starts taking tissue specimens from his? Not I was gonna say victims, which they are kind of victims. Yeah, they are victims. Like, uh, uh, you know, it with people like that, and and this is why people end up becoming fucking serial killers because one is not enough. And like, um, well, it
1: wasn't enough, was it? He did it. It took him a few more months to do it again, but he did it again. How many more yeah. times would he have done that?
0: And then, and then, okay, I'm getting away with this, so yeah, let's push the boundary that bit further. Yeah, and like that's that's how people, yeah.
1: So I read um I read an article uh from the like other side so it wasn't condemning him mm-hmm. um and the journalist was like I read the heading the clickbait heading about the surgeon carving into the patient's liver and he was like okay whatever he said I couldn't see the fuss the initials weren't exactly burnt into the liver um they used terms like burnt, scarred, um, scorched, branded, and he said, but really it was only two millimetres in the capsule that surrounds the liver. It's very superficial and no harm was done. Surgeons often have to test the electrical beam and do that via a dot pattern, so really there's minimal difference. He interviewed Bramhall and got his side of the incident. It was a very, very thorough incident. article it actually related back to a couple of other history making times um which were were a bit boring i kind of glossed over them because this is you know (laughs) it's not about that but he kept you know sort of relaying it back to things Uh, i guess it's just white men doing what white men do really like making people feel better but the article really did make me think like was it really that bad right there are people doing worse things out there
0: physically no yeah, no. I suppose. No,
1: ethically a hundred percent. Physically, mm. like you said, it didn't it didn't change the clinical outcome of it. Um and
0: also like, okay, let's look at okay, he does a lot of good, right? Yep. He's chosen to dedicate his life's work to saving the lives of transplant patients, yeah. like and you know, and critically ill people. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess that's where the the I don't know the anger mm. kind of stops because you think, well, yeah, you can, like, I'm um, yeah, outraged about it. Yeah. Morally, it's so despicable. And I think, like, I wonder how would I feel if that was me as a patient? Yeah. Like, knowing, I've, I think it would be really conflicting, like, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've got, this new, yeah. you've got this new outlook on life, but you've been branded, like, somebody owns you, and I think that's pretty fucking I'd be
1: like, thing. if you're going to brand my liver, mate, draw a picture, not your name, dickhead.
0: Yeah. Give
1: me a little rose or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Bramhall in this interview actually went on to explain what the argon beam diathermy does and how it's a transfer of electrical current between a plate mm. on the patient down the He's beam of argon gas. Yeah, like gave it a very, you know, like did the doctor thing and like mm-hmm. he said it was a very superficial diathermy burn. It doesn't go in deep. It doesn't cause any damage. And it was originally designed for brain surgery Um, And he said, of course, the liver is covered in a capsule. um, So the only thing that it's doing is coagulating the protein in the capsule. But
0: why did he do it?
1: Yeah. He said, so this is what he said. He said, so I'm there, I'm holding the liver, I'm pointing the argon uh, diathermy at it, then the bleeding stops. And oh, so maybe it's not, um, maybe it wasn't laparoscopic if he's saying he's holding the liver.
0: Yeah, Yeah. He
1: said that when the bleeding stops, I just flick my wrist and sign SB. I don't know why I did it to this day, but I did. Uh, in December 2020. Which
0: is interesting because there were, like, didn't you say before that he, he mentioned to someone that it was like attention yes, yeah. and he's like, it was thoughtless.
1: Yeah. So he says, um, in 2020, the medical practitioners tribunal service suspended the surgeon's medical license for five months, finding him still unqualified to practice medicine. They did, however, invite him to submit a letter making his case as to why he is fit to practice again. Bramill Bramill did so and called his crimes an extreme lapse of judgment. He also said that his actions in 2013 were stupid and entirely wrong. He wrote, such a fall from grace has undoubtedly changed my behaviour and views and I believe I am no longer the arrogant surgeon that I was in 2013. His lawyer would have written that, hundred percent, or his PR team. Yeah, maybe it was his writer, his writer, his co-writer. He has a co-writer for his books. Oh,
0: I think he saved her life
1: too. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've made mistakes in nursing, and you learn from them. Like, and it's you know, but I'm not saying like, I mean, I'm not some like epic surgeon saving lives, but like. You, you know, the work that we do does have an impact on people. And when, and, mm. and part of my, like, not that I was punished because I made a mistake that was an honest mistake. And it was truly a breakdown of communication that um, resulted in me performing a procedure on a patient without actually doing a thorough assessment. And um, because I assumed that the nurse before me had done it, and then they assumed that I'd done it. And it was like, <laughs> It was literally like three fifty. like it must have been like 3.30, like I was heading out the door and someone was like, can you just do this real quick? And then that's what happened. And then the patient had like a poor outcome. Um, not that they died, they were totally fine. But, um, you know, had to have like a, another procedure after to to sort of fix. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> um, management were like, we totally get how this has happened and they mm. were really understanding. They're like, you need to like write an apology letter to the family. And also like um, you know, do a reflection. And I actually found that so therapeutic.
1: Mm. And I really
0: believe that that totally changed my practice. And the yeah. um director of clinical services, your like your guru, um uh, back then, she came down and she like personally was like, That's the best reflection I've ever read. Like you can tell that you you can see how it happened and that you're gonna take every opportunity not to do it that again. Yeah. And um, you know, and I feel like in his case, maybe giving him the benefit I mean of the doubt, maybe maybe he can reform. Like maybe you know, if you do
1: have that giant fall from grace, it, it is it enough. Yeah. Um in April twenty twenty one, the new tribunal found him fit to practice, but that was overruled in January twenty twenty two. And he now still remains unable to practice, hence the non-clinical. <laughs>
0: it's so interesting to me that they've taken it so seriously. Like I kind Correct. of. Correct. I know. I see, like, because there are there are people out there doing damage yeah. to people. There are yeah. surgeons out there that don't have great statistics and their patients hemorrhage and their patients yeah. die. And their Patients need intervention. Like why, why crack down on someone who's had, yeah, okay, questionable like moral compass mm. there two times, but also like, doing really well clinically mm. like there yeah. are people who are who probably are morally good who are doing really poorly clinically correct like why i don't understand why that's what that so that's seriously. what that
1: journalist that's what that journalist said he was like why yeah like why yeah. you know maybe supervise him for a bit or maybe say yeah. you can't do liver transplants anymore like yeah. you know it's a real waste of i mean you know like it is a it is a waste of talents, in a, of talent, you know, you yeah. know, like it's and he did life. he did a like dumb he's... thing, yeah. And I, you know, like, and this is where I can sort of see both sides, but let's, yeah, um, I guess I can too. let's, um, uh, we talked about like him that being diabetes, an... that
0: oh. chick that nurse who was giving people insulin, like, yeah, yeah she was just trying her best, her. like, yeah, you know, it's, 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 I mean, sometimes we do sympathize with the group, sometimes
1: we. Yeah, it is a little, you can sort of see. Well,
0: I can, okay. I it wrote, really wasn't
1: that bad. He didn't kill he anyone. He actually didn't harm
0: anyone. He just, he just did he a was real, still giving them the transplant. It's arrogant not like he was purposely thing. He's fucking them up. Nah. He yeah, did. I, I, it's, a, it's a weird one, but it I think the motive to me is fucked up. And like, yeah. I can't actually fathom why he would do it in the first place. Like, yeah. Like, what was he hoping to achieve? And then like, did it did it cross his mind that somebody else might see it or well, no you know, why was would he you? doing it for his own self gratification like he would yeah. go home god my name is on that person's liver yeah like and feel really good my and, liver. and sick about that like yeah well wonder what
1: we might know more about his motive because oh yes. okay he has written several works of fiction uh on the website's called scalpel stories he has a co-author who's a former patient of his who Um, He saved her life in 2012 um, because uh, she was misdiagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, and he found it was something completely different and, like, saved her. So they write together. They've written, I think it's four books, um, but they wrote a book called The Letterman, which is based on, an experience of a surgeon exposed to inscribing his nails in his nails. I <laughs> don't know where that come from. Um, as a, sur- yeah, experience as a surgeon exposed for inscribing his initials in the donor liver of a patient, upending his life and the life of his patient whilst creating a firestorm in the media and medical world.
0: This, this is supposed to be fiction, is it?
1: Yeah. So the description on the website of the book, the opening line is, all it takes is a split second, one moment's madness and nothing will ever be the same. However, this book remains unpublished. Okay. I assume (laughs) because it might be a little too close to home.
0: I wonder if that's because there are laws around publishing fact.
1: And I can't actually work out um, when it was written. So whether it was written prior to, um, well, I don't think it was written prior to him doing it because they only met in 2012 and I think his book started in 2018. But but whether he had, whether it was an idea that he had for a book that he's he's put into action, yeah, to see if he could, you know, like art imitating or life imitating art. Yeah. Kind of situation like what came first, the chicken or the egg, like the idea or the concept of the book Yeah,
0: yeah. or the
1: actual, you know, branding on the liver.
0: I'm curious but, to. Yeah. I, it's interesting that it's not published. And I wonder if that was his yeah. doing or somebody else's doing. So
1: all the other books you could read, like the first chapter excerpt, um, yeah. but you can't f- for this one. So
0: mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear people's theories about this.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's one of those things that's like I know when I've gone under anesthetic, even just for a you know, colonoscopy or something, it's terrifying. Mm. Um and I work in you know, I've worked in a theater and I've worked in theaters with <laughs> you know, when we've done plastic surgeries and, and um, you know, maybe we've we've said um, you know, things that aren't uh what's the word like things that aren't politically correct but it's never Mm. really about the patient it's about the Mm. staff in the room or the you know like we've I've never had anyone overtly in front of me crack or like be completely rude about a patient or say
0: um you know like I think I'd agree with that and I feel like you know, it's, it's different. Like, I feel like it depends on the team you work with too. Like sometimes I think, um, I could be working with a team and be like, our patients are so safe today. Like, like, not that they're not safe, but like, but even just like morally safe or emotionally safe. Like, I feel like and I used to love that part of my job as an anesthetic nurse. And I would say to the patients, like, I'm going to be looking after you while you're asleep, you know, making sure all your bits stay covered and whatever, like just yeah. to reassure them that it was m- yeah. my job and my responsibility to make sure that they were safe while they were asleep. Yeah. And like, um, I think, you know, nine times out of 10, like the, I mean, I would say even more than that 99 out of a hundred and you know, same patients, same. Like, <laughs> there would, it would be nothing like there would be no. no Little but team. even it's
1: even little things like when they used to do back surgery, we, there was um, a position that you had to put them in that basically exposed their bum to the world, like in a kneeling yeah. position with their, everything hanging out. And the room, the operating theatre that we used to operate in, it, when they were in that position, literally faced the door um, to the out corridor. And so mm. when we knew we were doing those cases today, the um, theatre orderlies would put up covering across the door frame
0: yeah, of course. Because yeah. they
1: were like, you know, that's, you know, we knew. Now the patient isn't put in that position until they're asleep. They yeah. don't know they're going in that position. They don't well oh, exactly they right. they don't know their bum's going to be exposed to the entire world for 10 yeah. minutes while we prep them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: you know, that's
0: And that's Yeah, I guess that's the thing too, like when you know more, like when you're a nurse yeah. and you're going into surgery, like yeah. I, I went to have some sebaceous cyst cut out. And I flat out told the anaesthetist I didn't want a GA. I'm like, I'll have sedation, thanks. Like, absolutely don't need a GA. Yeah. And um, it was more just because, like, the risks of having a GA. And I'm like, I don't want to have to deal with the hangover from a GA yeah. either. It's like when so, I had Amelia and, like- and I was
1: like, I don't want an epidural. I'll just have a spinal. You're not yep. leaving anything in my spinal <laughs> column. <laughs> I'm sorry. like <laughs> so
0: funny. Yeah, I feel like, do you know, the only time I can literally remember something not being, that we did never actually explicitly said anything about this patient, but he was like a 90-year-old man coming for like a bum abscess or something. Anyway, someone's pulled back the gown and I've never seen a dick so big in my entire oh, life. Oh,
1: I had and one of them everyone's eyes,
0: <laughs> everyone's eyes were just like... Oh my God. And it was so big that we literally had to like tape it onto his leg to keep it out of mm. the way, like with yeah. tape.
1: <laughs> well, I used to do urology and I'll never forget yeah. this bloke was in stirrups and I took ter- everyone in the room, they weren't um well they were giggling. Everyone was giggling oh. and everyone and I was standing there and I was getting the prep because you always prep the um like the you know the genitals before yeah. the surgeon comes in and you yeah, drape. Yeah. So cause you've got to you drip betadine everywhere and they put the bin under and and i used to you know when i prep the penis i would prep like all the external and then I, if yeah. they had a foreskin i would put the tip of the penis into the bowl with the betadine and use yeah. cause you can't touch it cuz you'll sterile. Yeah. use the like swabs the swab on the stick to like push it back to get it like yeah. really clean cuz obviously yeah. you have to be clean and everyone was sort of giggling and i turn around with the betadine in the in the kidney dish and the swab stick and i was like and i literally went Oh, 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 oh I'm going to oh, need oh. more
0: dean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like trying my best to like wipe this. And again, like 70 year old man trying just, to wipe this thing, giant penis and it was just flapping around. I was like, someone needs to hold this. <laughs> like, can someone hold it for me? And the room, like, we were, la- I was laughing because I was so uncomfortable. And then I go yes. home and my husband's like, did you do um uh, breast implants today? I said I saw the biggest penis I've ever seen in my life and he's just like oh god like <laughs> Honestly, but it's not yeah, is- a oh it's not you're not doing it to shame that person you're literally it's no. it's super uncomfortable and that person's asleep what? and you're and I you feel so terrible like the surgeon came in and he was like uh is our scope going to be long enough?
0: Yeah, like... I, I was going to say, we're going to need longer um like this. Um, do you know? But I think that's because most people have pretty mediocre anatomies. Like, They and do. Then when they... someone has something exceptional, it's like a shock because you're not expecting it. Yeah. Like you're just expecting to see old mate with his little chode or whatever yeah. it is. Like you don't care. And you're just head. like flicking it back and then you're like, whoa, Jesus. And I think yeah. also... Like,
1: majority of us have ethics and morals, and you know, like, we like to treat our patients as if they were our family members. And he, and whether this surgeon was, you know, just, uh, Mark in his territory or like, uh, just doing something out of a, like, we did this thing, or like, I don't, I don't think that any of his, whether he was just an arrogant prick. Who thought, look what I did today. This is, Maybe this it is was like
0: for when he goes to surgeon camp and they play Never Have I Ever, then, you know, he has to drink. Everyone drink.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I don't know. But oh, I was, no. um, I can see both sides. And the article that I read really did make me think, oh, is it that bad? Yeah, it is, see, I mean, but it's, like, yeah. not deadly or dangerous. It's just
0: I unethical. Think and as, a, as a standalone, abuse of power. like, yeah, and as a standalone incident, when you look at this and you, like, it's it's horrifying, mm. but then when you compare it, like, comparatively to what other people might be doing, mm. is it so bad? I think, like, you know, it's it's perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Like, if you look at it compared to. You know some other like look like Doctor Death and like look at oh, you know there are there exactly. are doctors out there who are still practicing who probably you know made like really questionable choices, yeah. but maybe because like and I don't see that he was any more privileged than many other surgeons who have nah. access to patients like nah. you know I, I I don't know that it that it that it was necessary like you're saying like he like for such drastic um restraints on his practice mm. like let him be a gp <laughs> <laughs> we need gp yeah very let be tr- a gp in regional australia <laughs> <laughs> no that's what they did with that other
1: one didn't he chopped everybody up and killed them all sent them to Bundaberg. <laughs> don't let him come to australia <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, god did you know um, that there's a feature on um Spotify now that we can add like a Q&A at the end of the episodes.
0: Well, funny you said it because I was just reading it in the script that you've written for me. I know. I thought I've <laughs> written it in the script but you
1: wouldn't know about it because I no. probably haven't updated you. I only found out the other day because someone left a
0: comment. Mm. I ran into cool. someone the other day that we used to work with and um, she. this is the quote. Oh yeah, I started listening to your podcast, and um, it must have been before you guys were sorting out your audio because it was really hard to listen to. Um, yeah, pretty much all it was was you guys laughing really loud, and I just thought, oh, I can't handle this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, it's not for you then. Do you know? I, then I thought about that today, and I was like, you know what? Thank you, listeners, for persevering through yeah. ridiculous laugh and like and really bad audio for the first three years of the podcast. We've only been going two and a bit, but yeah, two and a half. That's what I mean. Um, And it wasn't really bad. They
1: get stuffed. It was pretty good considering. And I'll tell you who it was off there too. Yeah, (laughs) can't do that. Well, I also got, I ran into uh, another colleague of ours who used to work in the hospital, now works next door, who's the mother of uh, the lady who takes your photos of babies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, Oh my God, I listened to you all the way to Egypt. And all no. the way home, it was just like sitting there having a conversation with you two. Like I was like, thank you. No, she's like, yes.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: All the way. Oh, she's like, at one point awesome. I was laughing loud with you, and I was like, Yeah, she's like, it was the just like woman. listening to you at the desk. And I was oh like, my Yeah, god.
0: it it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> I do love her. Oh my god. Anyway. That's great. Anyway. Very good. So um everyone else can leave us a five-star review, just like Little Ruthie. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we want to hear your thoughts on this guy. Terrible or did Meh. the NHS overreact? Yeah, unethical. What
1: do think? Um, And I think you should all go away and tell, like, one new person that we're back and they should listen to us.
0: Yeah, don't um, tell someone that already listens. They yeah, because
1: it. what a waste of time. They're already listening. They probably already listened and are about to tell you.
0: Remember the um, time we, we told people, well, like, tell your friends, they're like, oh, um the people I work with don't like swearing. oh <laughs> What? <laughs> I'll never forget that. Oh, no, yeah. no, the people that I work with, they, they, they wouldn't like it. They don't like swearing.
1: I don't like swearing either. It's oh. fucking terrible. Then this
0: podcast isn't for them. Exactly. That's why there's an explicit <laughs> warning. <laughs> yeah. Um...
1: But you can follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast or shoot us an email. Hello at Two Humorous Nurses.com. It's humorous like the bone.
0: H U M E R U S. Bye. Bye. i am to carve my name into someone's organ. <laughs> <laughs> uh.